0: Welcome to the Halftime Huddle, a podcast for the gutsy women calling Australian sport their own. I'm Taylor. And I'm Sarah.
1: And today is probably our favourite interview ever. A hero to so many young sports journos, a brave and tenacious reporter, and a well-known face on our TV screens.
2: Here is Neralee Meadows. How do I define myself? I think, it's, I think I've always known that I'm more than what I do for a living but I think that that is certainly I've been made acutely aware of that in the last, um, six months or so through, you know, what we're all going through now. Um, but also through losing my job last year, um, it was a time to sort of realize, um, that you're more than just what you do. And the most important thing is, is being a good person. Um, so hopefully I define myself as a, Um, a good person who is
0: also a sports broadcaster. What are you up to at the moment? Um, I'm
2: sitting in front of a big puzzle at the moment. (laughs) Um, So I'm much like everyone. I've been doing puzzles, watching Netflix, drinking too much wine, eating way too much ice cream. Um, And unfortunately I have like expensive taste in ice cream. So I'm probably spending more on ice cream than I am
0: on food at the moment. (laughs) What's your flavour of ice cream? Um, What brand?
2: Is it Connoisseur? Oh, I love Ben and Jerry's. I lived in the States for six months when I was a year student and I got obsessed with Ben and Jerry's and I don't know those little pints they get you they really get you and they really um, fill you
1: up as well it's like a whole meal <laughs>
2: <laughs> so uh yeah but otherwise um I've actually I've, I've started going back to uni as well um, I started uni short course um which has been interesting just to keep the brain ticking and um and get back into a bit of academia uh, i'm doing a short course in mental health and counseling um i've always enjoyed that that part of it and some people who have seen some of my work may realize that that's through really a lot of the stories that i've done along the way i love to have a laugh as well but I've, I've always really enjoyed the mental health side of things and um and the mental side of the game I think that's why I love test cricket so much as well because it is such a you know it is called test cricket because it's a test so um yeah so I'm I'm doing that at the moment and um as restrictions ease hope to go and see my brother and and nephew in Sydney because the, the hardest thing for me has been the fact that I've been away from all of my family my family live mostly in Western Australia and my brother in Sydney so it's been 10 weeks of no no love of family basically so um yeah so that'll be nice
0: in doing your short course of mental and health do you hope to maybe going to mental and health journalism
2: particularly in things like my podcast um that i do it's it's a big focus on mental health and i think the more understanding you have of it particularly as a journalist these days the better because it's becoming a more prominent issue and i think um like everything sports stars have a real um, wonderful platform to get their voices heard and then normalise things. And particularly for young men listening, but also, um, you know, who don't necessarily feel like it's normal to talk about it as much as, as young girls do. Um, I think it's, I think it's great that they're using their voices as a way to help other people. So I think sports journalism and mental health almost go hand in hand at the moment. Um, And hopefully that's the case going forward too.
1: Oh, absolutely. And so much of your work, as you say, is based around the discussion of athletes as their human side of it and the human story apart from the results of the sport. So especially in your podcast ordinarily speaking which is fantastic a lot of the conversation really doesn't center around the athlete's success as the main subject it's sort of the trigger for, for how you know the person and and the way the reason that we're listening to them but the intimacy of the questions that you ask and you really do drill down especially um, the conversation you had with Peter Siddle that was some stuff that people really haven't discussed publicly before How do you manage to get athletes to talk so openly about such personal
2: things? I think honesty is the best policy. Um, I'm not asking them on to talk about one thing and and then getting them to talk about another. I make it really clear um, that this is what the podcast is about and that it's also up to them on what they want to talk about. So, um, you know, there's some people that will say, hey, I'll talk about this but not about this. Fine by me. Um, You know, it's their story. I have always... um, I've always thought long-term about my career. I, I was never very good at breaking stories. Um, it always sat pretty uncomfortably with me. Um, so I was, you know, I always say in many ways, I'm a pretty crappy journalist, um, but I always wanted to be the person that when they were ready to share their story, that I was the person that they trusted to do that with. Um, so yeah, being able to, I think just be honest with them, build those relationships up over, you know, many years. It's been 15 years now to get those sort of relationships and trust with people. Um, and the other thing is that you've got to ask yourself, why, why does this story matter? Um, and it, it matters for a couple of reasons, but the first is the motivation of the guests. And I think when it's somebody that's come out the other side of it, um, Or, you know, obviously a lot of these people are still going through it to an extent, but have a recognition of what they've been through rather than in the midst of something that they have an understanding of it. And therefore the experience to talk about it is cathartic, but also they want to help people. So Peter Siddle spoke about all this stuff as um, Will Anderson said to me on his podcast. He got away with it. Why is he talking about it? He got away with it um so he SIDS was motivated by the fact that he knew he could help other people and he knew particularly because his is about you know drinking and and in hindsight admitting that he was an an alcoholic and he says the thing is, is that so many people and particularly Australians normalize that sort of drinking behavior that he was doing and he wanted to to create a platform where he was like, it's not normal. There is help out there and I want to inspire you to, to get that help. Um, so that's a really authentic, um, you know, motivation for him to actually talk about it. And that's been the case with every guest that I've had is that they're motivated. want to wanted to finally share their story, but also because, and mostly because they want to help other people and be relatable.
0: Yeah, but as a sports reporter, uh, you did mention it before, but you often have a much closer relationship with the athletes than a general news reporter may have with their subjects. What is it like to live such highs and lows with friends on the job?
2: yeah it's interesting I mean I'm not mates with like everyone (laughs) I don't want to pretend like I'm hey I'm best mates with all the sports stars or anything there's you know that's not the case and and I think it also is just that respect of journalist and um sports person so you know it's like Sids and I are a different example because I am mates with he and his wife but there's others
0: that you know they're colleagues essentially but when an athlete had the opportunity to share something they would come to you so what is it like just to live such highs and lows?
2: Yeah, it is it is hard, and particularly when you when you get to know people so well. Um, you know, I've unfortunately had to report on a lot of deaths being a sports journalist. Um, going back to Chris Mainwaring when I was at Channel 7 and I'd worked with him for, you know, over a year. Um, and he was he was a mate. Um, former West Coast Seagull. Um, you know, Philip Hughes was extraordinarily hard because it was friends who were cricketers walking in and out of you know the hospital. Um, Phil Walsh in Adelaide, um, you know, Spud Frawley, even commentators like Drew Morfitt and people like this. Um, and unfortunately, I've been on air for a lot of those times or or been reporting on those stories and it It is very challenging when when the two worlds meet because that's obviously not what you expect when you become a sports broadcaster, and in those moments, you just try and um be be as empathetic yet professional as you can um I think particularly with the Phil Hughes one when I was doing um you know the live crosses outside the hospital to to not just Australia but to the u k as as well um I knew that when I was doing these crosses that a lot of people who were most intimately involved were watching Fox Sports News because it had the rolling in coverage um, of of what was going on. And so I knew there were people sitting at home, whether they were just fans who admired him or, or actual cricketers who knew him, a lot of these people were staying up to date um, by watching what I was saying. And that was a lot of pressure and a lot of, um, you know, I was very, I was acutely aware of that at the time. And I think it's the hardest thing is just, um, as I say, very eloquently just keeping your shit together, um, whilst live on, whilst live on air and getting through the day, because the, the, the thing with rolling coverage is you're doing crosses every sort of half an hour, hour, it's it's exhausting when it's something like that and you don't wanna stuff up any one of those live crosses because it means, you know, it means a lot. Um so I though and that that was for a couple of days. So that was really, um that was a really hard experience to to sort of go through in a really exhausting experience as well. I just absolutely can't imagine
1: and especially when you when you know the person. Do you separate yourself from the story in, in some way just to get through the day or do you let yourself feel it in that moment?
2: It's a really interesting question actually. Um, I think one of the reasons why some of my work has resonated with people I think and the feedback that I get from from people on social media is that I don't hide how I feel so if it's an interview and it and it makes me tear up well I you know I don't stop myself from doing that um but so yeah. And I think, I think that becomes relatable because I think traditionally there's a lot of news journalists who try and just be professional, but it feels almost a bit detached, but it's a fine line because you also don't want to make it about you. And also with these things, when it is that tragic, if you lose it a little bit, you can completely lose it and you don't want to be unprofessional. Um, I think there was one moment with, with Husey that I, when I was an announcing his death and I spoke about his family that I, I started to, to choke up. But in those moments, you just have, you have to um, literally, you know, become a, prof- like become a professional and literally say like in, in your brain, I hate the bad use of the word literal. And I just did that, but, <laughs> but say to yourself while you're doing that live cross, say to yourself, focus. Um, Because because it's not about you, and you need to make sure that that you you gather yourself. And people would understand if I completely lost it, but it would also be a bit unprofessional. So I think you really do have to stop and and think, you know, focus. And and I've been able over the years to to do that and then get on with it. I've never completely, to my knowledge, anyway. To I've never completely lost it um, on television. but I've definitely had moments of of genuine reaction to what was going on.
0: Talking about your feedback, you also had a very public exit from Fox Sports. What is it like having everyone weighing in on your life? Um, the beautiful thing was most people were um, being really lovely to me, so
2: it was like it was actually um, really positive feedback from people in, in the public, um, and on social media. So it was actually, it was fine. It was a bit overwhelming, but it was, as I've said, it's, it's kind of like living through your own funeral. Um, but the general, I, it was, it's been a really hard and challenging experience to go through, but I sort of believe that setbacks breed empathy. And I remember thinking very early on in that experience that this is going to help me connect with other people, who go through the same thing or in sport, you know, get delisted. It, it gave me a greater understanding of what it's like. Um, the public profile side of things, I'm lucky. I don't really have much of a public profile. Like it, I don't, you know, it's not like anyone stops me in the street or, you know, I, I don't get, you know, packed in magazines or anything like that, like a, an Aaron Mullen or some of the other far more well-known people to me. Um, So most of the time I tend to just, you know, no, no one really cares that much, which I think is why it surprised me so much. The amount of feedback I got when that did happen, because I didn't think I realized just how much so many people cared, which was nice. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's, it's definitely hard to experience those things in a very public manner. But like I say, there's also a lot of good to that because it's a little bit like living through your funeral where all these positive things come, come your way and people start saying really nice things as well. And you feel like you actually did contribute something over the years and that was of meaning to people. And I think that's really important because the word in itself, redundant, makes you feel pretty redundant. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I certainly feel that at the moment. Little did you know, at the end of last year, that so many people would be in the same boat as you. You just got ahead of everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I guess I got to go to the Super Bowl, so I'll take that as a win. But yeah, we certainly, none of us knew where, uh, where this year was headed, that was for sure. Oh,
1: absolutely. And we were going to ask about the Super Bowl, actually. How was that?
2: It was phenomenal. It was one of the greatest experiences of my life, um, and will be until the end of my life. It was unbelievable. Just everything that I thought it would be, and more. The people that I were working with were wonderful people, um, and yeah. And I, I just the, the the game was amazing. The experience around the game was amazing. I was so fortunate that it was in Miami. Um, which was a real fun town and, you know, sunshine and all those sorts of things as well. Um, Patrick Mahomes, you know, who they're saying, you know, is the best ever, not the greatest ever, but the best ever, just with what he can do. And, you know, certainly showed that in that game to, to win it. And uh, yeah, I, um, it was a s- surreal experience, but also just a phenomenal experience. Um, and I keep trying you you know you talk about redundancy and going through the waves of that and and also in isolation right now and what we're all missing out on and you know it's not fair and all those sorts of things and and I try and remind myself that because we do have a tendency as humans to sort of just write things off and everyone's going 2020 sucks and obviously Mm -hmm. it has sucked for many reasons with the bushfires and um and the pandemic it's been really genuinely tragic for a lot of people but I also within my own little bubble try and remind myself that no you also got to go to the Super Bowl you also you know worked on the ATP Cup and the Australian Open you also got to stand with 86,000 people on the MCG while the girls won the um, the World Cup so there was a lot of great things about this year before going into isolation and I think for me certainly it's really important to keep reminding myself of that because otherwise, it does just feel a bit sad and and bleak. So it's always important to to you know keep that perspective in your own mind. Oh, absolutely!
1: American athletes are traditionally they appear to just have a very different mentality and approach to competing on the world stage. Did you find that at the Super Bowl that it was it's a different
2: approach? Yeah, for sure. But I also found it from my point of view um of broadcasting sport um the way you know and a lot of people would have seen it with the last dance the the doco and the bulls on um netflix but the way that um americans broadcast sport is so different you're really encouraged to have a personality and to embrace that personality and i don't think that's really the case in in australia um you know, it is, we still have that tall poppy syndrome and, um, and yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it can get a bit, bit same, same reason. And I'm not saying it's worse or better, but it was just fun to be a part of something in the States where you're working with Americans who are, you know, it, it is very much, this is entertainment and, um, be who you are, you know, for the, the good and the bad of it. And it was so much fun working with people who, you know, you're embracing all of yourself on air. Uh, it's, it's a different experience, you know, and I've done bits and pieces like that in Australia, but it is, it was, it was very cool to, um, sort of just have permission to just have fun with it. Um, and that was, yeah, that was really fun. Emmanuel Archo, um, who was, who was one of the experts I was working with on ESPN. He's just brilliant at what he does. And, um, him just really, really fun to work with. So um, yeah, there's some, it's you know, it's it's a bit like when you're on the dance floor and, you know, you really want to bust out, but no <laughs> one else is sort of going there. And then when other people start going there, you're like, all right, we're on, let's go. <laughs> it's a little bit like that sort of energy, you know, that you go, All right, we've got permission to, to go here. <laughs> um, that's what it felt like.
0: You've talked about the Super Bowl, the Australian Open, the cricket how do you make yourself an expert on every athlete and every sport?
2: Well, first of all, I know I'm not an expert. And when people say, Oh, you're a sports expert. I'm not, I'm, I'm a journalist. Um, I'm really good at at making observations. I'm good at building relationships and, um, And and asking the right questions in the right moments. So I've never pretended to be an expert. I've never spoken about things that I don't feel like I have the right to speak about. And I think that's starting to get a little lost in journalism that people, you know, it's actually not about your opinion. Um, It's about the facts, the story, the people involved. Um, And I've never tried to express something I don't understand. So I do, I'm very well researched I always make sure I I um you know I I am like talking to that person talking to the people around them making sure I really understand it for something like the Super Bowl when I didn't have as much inherent knowledge um I was you know consuming so much media around it to to build up the familiarity but also after like I say 15 years you sort of have the um the permission to, to be honest with people as well and and when ESPN contacted me I said look I I love NFL I lived in the states I have a a decent understanding of it but I'm by no means an expert all of my time has been on footy and cricket and they're like we know that's not why we're hiring you um so I think being honest actually is quite important as well because then when I got to the states I could tell my two American co-hosts that hey I know you already know this but just don't throw anything at me that you know, that's going to trip me up because I don't want to make everyone look bad. And so I think it is about trust with your colleagues as well. Um, and, yeah, you're just, just not pretending. I, I think too many people pretend instead of doing the work or being honest, um, you know, and, and stick to your lane a little bit. Like, that, you don't need a... I, I wasn't there to be the expert opinion, if that makes sense.
1: Unfortunately, those sort of opportunities now, overseas opportunities, obviously are going to be parked for a little while. What would you say to journalists or um, people aiming to, to get into the media industry, possibly only just entering the industry now, what would you say to them with the, the whole world being so changeable?
2: Don't do it! <laughs> <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> um. <laughs> sorry I'm just joking um a little bit um yeah you're right all of my job opportunities were overseas this year so this was my dream year but as I said before I'm in a you know there's people in much worse positions than me so in in no way am you know um am I sitting here feeling sorry for myself or anything like that but I it is a little disappointing um but I I I've said I've done it use this time in ISO to do a few uni lectures and things like that and help a few kids with their assignments and things. And the thing that I keep saying is um, more and more, I think you need to embrace what you bring. That's unique. Um, And I think storytelling is going to become more important, not less. There's we've gone through a a phase of, um, you know, with, with social media coming in, that everything's become more instant, more, consumable um you know and that has led to a decline in quality in, in journalism unless people want to pay for journalism all those sorts of things um but i think it hopefully it will even itself out a little bit at the end of the day there is still a thirst for storytelling we've seen that with the netflix doco um on the bulls the last Ends. um there's there's still a, you know, and, and you look at sport and, and the way that they're using storytelling within their own clubs to motivate like the Richmond Tigers and, um and things like this. So I think there will always be a thirst for it. It's just, we need to be um malleable and, and yeah, flexible to, what that looks like and what that means and whether that means that you know tv no longer ceases to exist but it'll be streamed online and you're still going to need presenters and and journalists you're still going to need all of those things so i think if it's truly what your passion is then then keep going if you were tossing up between that and science then go (laughs) to science. but don't, yeah, don't stop what's happening now from from wanting to achieve your dreams. But I I also would, it would be irresponsible of me to say that I think that there's going to be plenty of jobs for everyone at the other end of this. I don't know. Like I, I sit there with my own experience and my own um, knowledge and I have no idea what my future looks like within this industry, whether there's enough work for, for me, whether... You know how that looks, and that's not me being dramatic. That's just the practicality of the situation that we're all facing at the moment. And then that become, you know, comes back to just try and be kind to each other because everyone is facing that right now to different degrees. And it's just really important to look after each other right now. Check in with your mates, you know, and and check in doesn't just mean once. It means you know every 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 few weeks or whatever because somebody can feel completely fine now and and then feel distraught the next day and that's what we're all going through at the moment so i think it's really important to just just be patient try to not look too far ahead be smart with your decisions but but try not to catastrophize and just just wait and see um where all the cards lie at the end of this
0: Yeah, exactly. And we do have a bit of sense of normality um, is slowly returning. We've had some good news that um, sport in Australia has just started to recommence. We had the NRL on this week, football on the 11th. So what's next for you? Well, I'll get back to this
2: puzzle. Uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I have no idea, to be honest.
2: Uh, Like I was just saying, um, yeah because because everything that i had locked in was overseas so i'm just waiting to see what happens with major sporting events at this point in time what happens with travel um and in the meantime just trying to enjoy laying low a little bit and putting this time to use with uni and um hopefully eventually seeing family and uh, you know and things like that um and and it's like how you started this this conversation that remembering that I'm more than what I do. And, um, you know, and now's the time to really embrace that.
1: Well, Neralee, thank you so much for your time. We really,
0: really appreciate it. And, um,
2: yeah, we can't wait to see where you head off to
1: next.
0: Thanks for having me on. Thanks so much listening to Halftime Huddle. If you enjoyed this
1: episode, please check out our others. And don't forget to subscribe, like, and rate us. <laughs>